only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. You are in the spotlight with Brian Gardner for this Tuesday, October the 13th, 2015. Good to have you all here for our first of three shows this week. Uh, well, actually, two shows this week on Talk Show. And there will be more than two shows in general, but two shows this week on Talk Show. Um, I'll get to more on that in just a moment. This is a transitional week for us. As I mentioned last week on Thursday's anniversary show, there are some big changes starting this week. We will be rebranding the show, um, but we wanted to keep a couple shows on talk show this week to kind of ease the transition. So we're still going to do the things we normally do, like tonight we're going to do some sports talk, wrestling talk, box office, beat, etc. Now, we're doing a lot tonight. I'll explain why in just a moment, but it's not going to take up too much time because there isn't really a lot to get to within, in, in the respect of these things that we're doing tonight. I'll explain why we're doing so much tonight in just a moment as well. Um, first, I want to apologize for being a little late. Uh, I was having a massive computer issue. Nothing seemed to want to load, whether it was Facebook, whether it was Twitter, whether it was TalkShoe. So I apologize for that. Um, so, But here we are for our first show of this week as we are now firmly into our fifth year here. So without further ado, before I get into all the information you're going to need to help you out with this transition and what's going to be going on tonight and so on and so forth, let me remind you all that you can interact with us, you can contribute, you can have your voice heard by emailing us at itspotlight411 at gmail.com. Again, it's itspotlight411 at gmail.com. You can also follow us and tweet us at itspotlight411. Again, it's at itspotlight411. And please use the hashtag, either hashtag itspotlight411 or hashtag ITS5 to represent our fifth anniversary. You can also find us on Facebook. We are still using the old title, the, the, the current full title for right now, but tomorrow that will be different. So for tonight only, you search for us using the, the, our current full title, In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. Tomorrow you'll start searching for us using In the Spotlight 411. But for right now, In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner is what you want to use. Once you find our page, like our page, and go ahead and post whatever it is you'd like to post. All right, before I get into everything, let me bring my co-host on here so he does not have to wait too long here, and we can get moving. Mike, you are in the spotlight. Wait too long. Ha! I have, don't you know I've been waiting here since approximately 8 o'clock. How dare you, sir? How dare my computer? How dare you, sir? So threatening. Actually, full disclosure, I've been waiting here since about 8.10, so you didn't really miss too much. Yeah. I didn't I really miss too much. Well, I know because I was trying to load the chat, the, open the chat, and when I first try, started, it was said zero participants. So I kind of figured you were, you know, about at the earliest five after. So, yeah. Um, but I was right. there way before you, so I went. 
No, you were. No, no, you were. But I figured it wasn't that long because I knew. Um, no, I'm just saying I win. You you do win. You do win. I do win. I usually uh, I usually win there, so that's all right. Let me, as always, announce the third member of our team who will be saying goodbye to us on Thursday. And I am that's going right. to break so many, so many violations that night. I am going to get silenced so hard. Just saying. And Thursday is going to be a big show because I'll explain why in just a moment. I was going to be saying bye to him. And that him, of course, is the third member of our team who's been with us almost since the beginning, since we are beginning of our talk show run. Everybody say hi to Mr. Jeffrey Tech. Jeffrey Technically Tech, <laughs> who, of course, is our technical guru for, for two more shows. He is he is our technical guru. If he if he were a technical guru, he would be the finest technical guru in the entirety of India in terms of being a technical guru in the history of this fine show. And yes, we are satisfied with his service. You know, now Thursday is Jeff Tech's last show. He, he's not even going to do football Friday with me. So um, th- Thursday is his his last show, and I asked him. You know, we were talking before the show tonight. We probably started talking. We probably should have started trying to get the show started in light of all the technical issues I had. But we haven't had a chat in a while before the show. We had a chat tonight, and I said to Jeff Tech, I said, you know, just because we're changing everything up and that, I, I, I said, I really hope that from time to time you'll make an, you know, maybe you'll call in or do something. Of course, he's never called in anyway. But you know, it, it, I'd be nice to know I can still come to him for advice because we make jokes and stuff. And yeah, he's been lazy at times and. You know, but the guy does know his stuff, believe it or not. He does. I mean, he, he, he's helped me a lot. He does know his stuff. So I, I, I wanted to know that I could come to him at any time if I have a question. And he said I could. So that that's good. You know, he he will still be a friend of the show. Hopefully he'll still make his real returns or something. You know, I mean, of course, now we're going to be under a different setup. So I don't know how that's going to work for him. We want to remain anonymous, but... Um, you know, we'll see what happens. But Thursday is going to be his last show. Um, and we're going to mark that occasion in some way, shape, or form. We're not going to do, a, like, a full episode devoted to Jeff Tech memories, okay? We're not doing that. But, you know, we'll, we'll mark it. Wait, 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 wait. Freeze. What? We have done the Brian 25, the Brian 26, the Brian 27, the Brian 28, and the Brian 29. And we cannot talk for one episode about Jeff Tech. Dude, if we do that, Mike, do you realize if we do that, that episode will never be heard? Yes. Do you realize that, Mike? Why do you think I said it? Well, I don't want... What what good is a tribute if not our audience can't hear it because it has to be censored? <laughs> because... What good because... Is it? Because those live numbers will be so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm In- doing this for, for one reason. Well, well, number one, well, that, that's not to say we can't, you, we, you know, we're not going to have any segments devoted to Jeff Tech. I just didn't think we could sustain a whole show on it. So we will do something to mark the occasion, but we're also going to do something big on Thursday. Now, 
I want to credit one of our listeners, Terry, who has listened to us since the beginning, for coming up with this idea. Now, um, one of the things that I've hyped for the fifth anniversary year, and I said that we were going to do this pretty much, we're going to start this right after we, we did the whole nostalgia thing last week, was the ultimate in the spotlight awards. Now, as I, this, this was not going to work like any of our previous awards shows. We've kept a record of all the shows that we've had over the years, all the, you know, the award shows, all the, the voting, everything, okay? And basically what this was going to be was us announcing, like, we were going to have categories, okay? Not too many, but, you know, there was going to be for film and for TV, like best actor in a film for the last five years. Best actress in a film for the last five years. Supporting actress, supporting actress. You know what I mean? Ultimate. It wasn't going to be every single category. Best film, you know, of the last five years. Now, we're not going to go that far as to go ensemble and all this stuff because that just gets in the, you know. But we're going to reflect the five years of our In the Spotlight Awards. And then, you know, we would do, we'd, we'd have combo categories, which would decide, uh, be, we call it the ITS Award for Best Actor Overall, Film or TV. Same thing, Actress, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, and then Best um, ITS Award Winner. So it could be Film or TV. So we're going to have those kind of categories. And basically what was going to happen was this. The fans, the fans still technically decided nominees with their votes over the last five years. We weren't going to reopen it. But what we were going to ultimately do was a two-step process where we revealed the nominees to you all that was decided on by the past voting of the past award shows, and then have you re-vote to decide the winners. But this listener, Terry, made a point to me. That seems kind of uncommittal. It seems kind of, you know, half-assed, okay? Because if you're going to do it the way you're going to do it, which is reflect the past voting, why not just do that for the whole thing? You have to do it either one way or the other because it just doesn't seem right. And I said, you know what? You're right. And I was talking to some listeners on another message board. I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm, I'm valuing other listeners over other listeners, but I, I was just bouncing ideas. Sometimes that happens. And, you know, they said, you're right. And, they said, they, and it seemed like there was a lot of praise for the idea of it being just based on past voting because, then, you know, people can't re-campaign, and, you know, and in this case, a lot of the recent, more recent stuff might win out over the older stuff because it, you remember it more. So if you do it this way, okay, if you do it this way, it's more of a chance of it being fair. Like, it, that, the, you know, it, it's more spontaneous, more unpredictable. You know, it gives this stuff that might have been five years down the road, in the past a chance. And I agree with that, you know, because we all know, like, when you start talking about, like, these kind of award shows that go, like, five, ten years through time, you tend, the things that are more recent, as in the last, you know, two, maybe year or two, are the things you remember more and they stick out more and it might affect the way you vote. But with that in mind, we're going to do it completely based on past voting. So... There will not be any selection process. We will not. There will not be any voting process. It's all been done. So on Thursday, in an In the Spotlight special, we are going to unveil 
our list of the ultimate in the spotlight awards. So that's what we're going to do on Thursday. And it won't be very time-consuming. It's not going to take up two hours. My co-host would be cheering right now. Because there's only going to be a few categories for each. Like I said, you know, for TV, it'll be the best actor for the last five, best actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actor. We're not doing genre categories. We're matching it all together because you want it's ultimate. It's not meant to be so streamlined and so specific. Same thing with film. And then we'll combine film and TV into a few categories and then bounce them off each other. That's what we're going to do. I'm not going to rattle off the categories because there's no need for it because you're going to hear them on Thursday when we go through them because you're not voting on them. There won't be any live vote of the wards or anything like that. It'll just be these. We're just going to give you an idea of it, – it, it's going to show you in a lot of ways the popularity of some things over the last five years. And really it's going to act like a true test of what, you know, what films, what TV shows are going to stand the test of time because if something from five years ago – holds up and even beat something from recently, that shows you how timeless a classic it might be. So I think it's going to be fascinating. So that's what we're going to do on Thursday. We're going to have the Jeff Tech Farewell, and we're going to have the Ultimate in the Spotlight Awards revealed at winners to reveal to all of you. So, and that will probably be our last show here on Talk Show. Bearing any unforeseen technical issues, which I hope to rectify tomorrow. So that's what we're doing on Thursday. And that's why tonight we're doing a lot of the usual stuff. And I felt like we could do that because we don't have a lot to do. So I didn't think it would be an issue. Now, I mentioned that there's going to be two shows on talk show this week. I told you what, I told you what we're doing on Thursday. Tonight... Sports-wise, we're going to talk the MLB playoffs. There's a game ongoing right now between the Mets and the Dodgers. We'll give you live updates on that and break in when we need to. Um, we're going to do a, little, a small bit on wrestling, our box office beat, which is going to be very quick. Um, and if we have some time, we'll throw a TV reference in there or not. But if we don't, that's okay. We don't, we've, been, we've been doing so much with TV lately that if we don't get to it, it's no big deal. Um, and then that's it for tonight. Now, Football Friday, okay, as of right now, again, unless something technically bad happens here, okay, with my test run tomorrow with the new setup. Now, I'm going to do a test run tomorrow, and I'll explain more about that in a moment. We're going to do Football Friday on the new setup on Friday, which is Google Hangouts, and then it'll be posted on Podbean, which is going to be our new host site for anything archived, main host site for anything archived. Of course, we'll still be on iTunes. Um... We will still be on. We'll have some episodes on Libsyn. I might keep it up for the rest of this month since uh, Justin paid for it. <laughs> but um, you know, but after a couple of weeks, we're going to be done with Libsyn. So that'll be done. And then anything that's here on Talk Show and also anything on Blog Talk, we're going to consolidate everything to one site, so I no longer have to mention in like three, five, three or four different sites, which will thereby completely annihilate my end of show spiel. So that's good. Um, keep in mind, too, that with Google Hangouts, everything will be also uploaded to YouTube. So we'll be having live streams on YouTube as well. Well, not live streams. Uh, we'll have archive stuff on YouTube as well. There will be a YouTube channel finally for the show. We'll post special features from here, here on out. 
Our promotional stuff, our social media push begins tomorrow. Our rebranding begins tomorrow. Um, so you want to stay tuned for that. I'll let you more, uh, know more about, about all that at the end of the show. So we've got a lot of stuff starting tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to do a test run. Now, um, it's going to probably be live. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to promote tomorrow as an actual show. Because I don't know how it's going to work. I don't, if we screw up, I don't want it to be, you know, published. So I don't know if it's going to be if, if it's going to be allowed to be published or if there's a feature where I can turn it off and just do a test run without anybody knowing about it. I mean, obviously, if 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 it's if if it gets out and people see it, then they see it. But tomorrow is all about doing a test run, so that on Thursday I can firmly tell you all that on Friday with Football Friday we initiate. Well, I. Not football Friday more because Friday we'll, be, we'll we'll have the show under a new title, Football Blitz. Um, well, for a football show, that'll be the first kind of initiation into the new setup. So I want to have an idea that we're going to be okay with this new setup tomorrow, so that that way on Thursday I can tell you all that we're a goal, and that next week all of our shows will be under the new setup. So we'll see what happens. Tomorrow's a dry run. We'll see what happens. Um, so I'm not going to get into what we're going to be doing next week or anything like that because a lot of it depends on how everything goes tomorrow. So that's all you need to know. So technically, so, you know, we have a show here tonight. We have a show here on Thursday on Talk Show. Um, if everything goes well, if I will experiment tomorrow on the new, st- on the new setup, then on Friday we'll have our, our first our, our football show, which is, used to be dubbed Football Friday, now called – the ITS, the In the Spotlight Football Blitz. Um, we'll have that on the new setup on Friday, providing everything goes well tomorrow. So I hope that makes sense. Anybody, any questions or anything, you can Facebook, tweet us, or email us. That's going to be the way of things this week. And, you know, it's going to be a new energy. We have a new, it's going to be a fun, it's going to be, the whole show in general is going to have a new energy to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. The whole live streaming thing is going to be a lot of fun. So many of you gave us positive feedback with the changes on th- that we announced on Thursday. So many. I was worried. People were very receptive to it. I think people are going to like it. It gives us a little more flexibility, a lot more flexibility, a lot more exposure. So I think it's going to go over really, really well here as we get going here. Just that this week's kind of the transitional week. And, I, and this is going to be good because then I can kind of remind you all we're doing these shows on Talk Show and kind of guide you through this as we transition. So that, that, that's a good thing to do. I realized something, though, at, on Thursday after we got off the air. I said, boy, I spent so much time talking about the changes that I didn't announce anything of what we're going to do next week. And so that's why I kind of wanted to do that first, because so many people were asking, wait, what, what's going on this week? Like, what's going on? All you did was tell us that you're going to have two shows on talk show, but what are they about? And so that's why I made sure it made it a point to bring that up first here tonight. All right, so that's all the information you need, what's going on and everything. So let's get right down to it here and start off here with the MLB playoffs. And, folks, uh, before we got off the air, the Cubs took the first step in trying to end their endless curse as they beat the number one seed and best team in baseball, Cardinals. Um, Ended the series, the NLDS, at home in Wrigley Field and knock the Cardinals out without having to use John Lester, which is important because he can, he can pitch a game one, or they can even bring back Arietta to pitch a game. They can line up their pitching now. They're in good shape here. So the Cubs 
led by former Tampa Ray manager Joe Madden, have advanced to the NLCS for the first time since 2003. And here's a good stat for you. This is the first series-quenching win at Wrigley Field in history. In history. Whenever the Cubs have quenched or won a playoff series in the past, which has not been very often in recent times, as we all know, they've done it on the road. So they finally did it at Wrigley Field. And those fans, we all know, they're, they're a lovable bunch, and they've suffered a lot. They, they, are, they are just on cloud nine right now, but they got two more steps to go. And I'm sure a part of them is maybe hoping they get the Dodgers because, you know, if you've seen the Dodgers, the Dodgers are not the Dodgers of the last few years. They're a very weak offensive team. And if there's anything that I've learned from the postseason so far, and look, the MLB's had a very good first round. You're going to have two game fives tomorrow, the two AL series that have turned into very good dramatic series, which is good because the matchups themselves on paper don't have any historical, you know, or storied rivalry kind of quality to them. Um, but they made up for that in terms of great quality of games. You know, there's been a lot of back and forth, good offense, and that's that's kind of what you want to see. The National League has been where the big rivalries are, Mets versus Dodgers. You know, the whole New York, Brooklyn Dodgers, there's a lot there. You know, and then you got the Cardinals and the Cubs, which is a long-storied rivalry. And, you know, then go to a, a, a do-or-die game five. Still was a very good series. A lot of back and forth. Particularly the last two games, the Cubs hit like, I think the Cubs had like 12 home runs in the series. Like it's how great. And that's why I said, you know, I, I saw a lot of articles going into the playoffs about people saying that offense was still down. No, off, the offense, of, offense in Major League Baseball has been making a slow comeback this year. In these playoffs, you're seeing it. You are seeing it. I mean, the Cubs lineup is solid. They have a backup short. So Addison Reed gets hurt in last night's game. You're thinking they're going to lose a ton of offense. Well, Baez comes in and smacks a home run today, a 3-1 home run today. He's been great. Like, the offense has gotten – I mean, and that's good for baseball because baseball is – I'm sorry for anybody out there that likes pitching. Nobody wants to see a bunch of one nothing games or 2-1 games. Nobody. We've seen that the last two years, and it's, got, it's, it's killed the ratings. It's killed them. The last couple months where there's been a little more offense in the game, and these playoffs where there's been more offense, the ratings are going up. It shows you people want to see runs. They want to see scores. That's why in all professional sports, NFL, NHL, NBA, you see a lot of rules put into place to encourage more offense because they realize, you know what, yes, defense wins championships now, but you still, for the business end of the game, people want to see offense. That's what gets people, that's what puts butts in the seats. That's what makes it exciting. And you're seeing that with base, Major League Baseball right now. The Cubs-Cardinals games, the last two Cubs-Cardinals games, I think there was like at least 14 or 15 combined runs scored in both games. Goes to show you. And they were great games. But it's good for Major League Baseball. The offense is starting to come alive, and you had a, you've had a good first round so far. 
You got a good first round so far, and you think about what you might have on the AL side. See, the problem is the AL side of things is it, 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 it's going to rely heavily on the games being good because you're not going to get any kind of storied rivalry or, you know, you're not going to get anything that has a historical relevance to it. You're going to get, you know, Toronto is the closest thing you have if it gets into the ALCS, you know, and that's the only thing that might pull through because Toronto had a good run in the early 90s. Um but the NL side of things, you got the Mets, and there's a lot there. Or if the Dodgers push through, you got there's obviously a lot there. Cubs now advancing, you know there's a lot there with the Cubs. I mean, I mean the Cubs right now, any series the Cubs go into, even if it's against in the World Series against the AL team, is going to draw. Okay, so that's what the MLB like. If, if the MLB is probably obviously going to hope the Cubs get there, because no matter who they face, the numbers are going to be huge because it's the Cubs. And there's so much there, and you know the, the fact that they're trying to break the curse, and it, it, it's going to draw no matter what. But MLB's had a great first round. You got to hope that they can that it continues for their sake, because I mean NFCs end up being better than expected, but it 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 wasn't nearly as compelling as it could have been. But if there's anything I've learned. Outside of the fact that offense is making a comeback here, is that if you look around, let's let's take a look around these series, okay? Now we all know so much is made about pitching rotations. You you really only need in a playoff three solid pitchers, okay? You can go, bring back guys on short or short rest, especially if they're younger, all right? So you you don't necessarily need a game four star though. So you're encouraged to have one in case. You look around these rotations now. You know, always people get bent out of shape about okay, whoever your number one starter is, and maybe even your number two. You can bring them back on short rest. You know, how are they pitching? Can you, you know, so much is made of that, and so much is made of you know how your ace does, your number one or your number two does in a big situation. And it's so funny because a week ago I sat here on this show. And I gave David Price credit for the first time because I felt like this year, once he got to the Blue Jays, he had arrived. He pitched in a lot of big games down the stretch, and he was dynamite. Okay, I've never seen him pitch with so much precision and so much emotion and be so com- so complete as a pitcher in those situations. I've never seen it. But then he gets into game one against Texas at home and lays a complete egg. And now you see what he's done. I mean, his postseason numbers are horrid. And, you know, I talked about this last year when he got traded to Detroit. I said, I don't understand. Because this is a guy, okay, I, I think this is the kind of guy that's a two or a three. I don't think he can handle putting a team on his back. And I fell into the trap, like a lot of people, of believing that whatever it was that was holding him back from being that guy had left him. Well, it didn't, because in game one, he was awful. Now, he came in in relief in game four, which I don't understand. I I don't understand. This is where a guy like John Gibbons, I don't think John Gibbons is a terrible manager, okay? All right, he's been fired once from the Blue Jays. They brought him back when they started making all these moves. I like John Gibbons. But this is where a guy like John Gibbons gets, you know, it's, it's kind of like you recognize that this team has gone through hoops this year to make it, to get get there this year and win it. They recognize they're on a one-year plan here. 
There's no next year. That doesn't mean the team's going to be horrible next year, but you're you're not going to keep David Price. He's not staying there. There's no way he's staying there. Therefore, you you, you know you get Tulowitzki and that, but come, you you know this this, this whole idea you, you're going. You went after the guy you needed. You needed an ace. You went and got an ace. And I put ace and asterisk because I don't think David Price at this point has proven that. I've already eaten. I, had, I got my face for change, you know jump, jumping on the the David Price has gotten over the hump bandwagon here. But it's all or nothing for the Blue Jays this year because next because everything went right for them this year. Everything went right for them this year down the stretch. Everything. It's not going to happen again. It's not. So here's the thing. John Gibbons putting David Price, okay? Now, I, now, now I recognize this is going to sound weird considering I just said that this guy doesn't pitch good in big situations, but he is the guy you traded for. For the situation of a game five. This is the guy you bunt and got to pitch game one and game five. Or game four on short rest to, to, to you know, get you back in the series. If you're going to put him out there in relief, you need to start him. You do not put him out there in relief. Doing that is completely asinine. And it shows that you have, that as a postseason manager, you're not nearly ready. And you should be, because it's not like John Gibbons has not been in the league long enough to know that something like that should not be done. And I get it. Toronto came back and won. You still got Stroman. But here's the thing about Marcus Stroman. That guy just came back from major injury in late August. He came back in late August from a major injury, and you're going to freaking put him out there on sh- in a game five on short rest? You're going to put him out there in that game against a great offensive team? Okay, maybe it's not short rest. I think it's, it's normal rest, but still. No, I wouldn't do that. That's Price's game. That's Price's game. Roman can work out of the pen. That's Price's game. What did you trade him trade for him for? It makes no sense. It makes no no sense. And I'll tell you one thing. If they lose that game tomorrow, if Strowman gets lit up in game five, if he gets lit up in game five, John Gibbons should get fired. Because you can't tell me that was an ownership or man, a GM decision. That was a manager's decision. John Gibbons should be fired for that. Because David, David probably should have been pitching that game. I don't care what he did in game. I don't care what his postseason numbers are. He's the only choice. Strowman's only been back for a month. You traded away practically your farm system for this guy because you said he was the number one you needed to pitch in these kind of games. 
not to pitch in an inning or two in relief in game four. I understand you were desperate. I understand you're trying to keep yourself in the game. I understand you came back and still won that game, so you might feel like that was necessita- That was a necessary thing because that wasn't elimination. I understand that. But Toronto's pen, bullpen, has done a very good job down the stretch. You have plenty of relievers that could have came out and did the same thing David Price did. You did not need to go to David Price. David Price should have been saved unless it's an emergency situation in game four so he could pitch in game five. David Price should in no way, shape, or form been pitching in relief in that game four. And if you lose tomorrow night if you're Toronto, that's a big reason why. Now, again, I know what David Price is. I understand I've, I've gone on about him and now he's not he's, – he's, been terrible in big game situations. I completely understand that. But he's, there's, he's the guy. For better or worse, he's the guy. Let him show something. Let him go out there and prove it. Let him go out there and prove everybody wrong. He's been brought there to pitch in a game five. Let him pitch in a game five. If he's going to come out there and pitch in game four, anyway, he should have started the game. That's the bottom line. Now, I mentioned how David Price has continued to struggle, except for his real relief appearance. Speaking of struggling, Clayton Kershaw, another pitcher that's been dynamite in the regular season, done great things, Cy Young and all. But postseason, all-star games, that guy gets hit, hit. He's like the starting pitching version of Trevor Hoffman. He cannot pitch in a big game situation, whether it's AL or NL. He can't. He can't. Now, he's pitching tonight against the Mets in, in, in a do-or-die game. Mets win tonight. They advance to the NLCS. Mets were all over him in game one. Now, the good thing for the Dodgers, they can somehow get through this. They get Grenke in game, in game five. Now, see, that's, see, that's okay. Unlike the Price-Strowman thing, because both those guys are theoretically aces. And for better or worse, you know, Grenke, we all used to question his, how he could mentally handle something. He's proven himself to be able to handle it. He's pitched a lot of big games. He's done very well. Pitched a great game. He's he's pitched very well. Grenke's proven himself. Kershaw hasn't. Kershaw hasn't. And he's going to get tested tonight by a great a Mets lineup that is is just rolling right now. Had a great game last night. You know, Harvey got smacked around a little bit in the early part of the game. And settled in, and that was it. The Mets just took control. And you got to be impressed with the Mets lineup since Cespedes got there. But it's a big game for Kershaw. Kershaw at some point has to prove himself. Here he is pitching in New York with the Mets having a chance to clinch. Right now, top of the third there, no score. So, so far, so good for Kershaw. This is this is this this is it because if Kershaw blows this, then you if you're the Dodgers, what Greinke's a free agent. What do you do? You've given this guy a, a long-term deal, but and he pitches like an ace in everything but where it counts. And look, I, I through history you'll find a lot of number one, number two starters that have struggled in the postseason at time. Roger Clemens did. You know, I mean, you'll find guys like that. But eventually they find they, – they, it clicks and they find it. You know, they figure it out. Kershaw's had opportunities. He hasn't – Price has had a lot of opportunities. He hasn't figured it out. There's something this, – this 
this particular postseason, you're seeing some guys that are looked at as these great great pitchers, regular season pitchers, Cy Young candidates, but they don't get it done when it counts. And I'm sorry, that to me, that's not an ace. You, you don't become an ace until you do it when it matters. You just don't. Dallas Keiko, look what he did in Houston. Dallas Keiko is the lone ace in this postseason, in my mind, that's proven himself. The lone ace. Oh, John and John Lester. John Lester already did. And he's the Cubs. Theoretically, he's the Cubs number two now. To me, he's the Cubs number one. Because Arietta did not look good in his last start. But you know, again, Jake Arietta is a guy that in in Baltimore was 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 mediocre, and he somehow found it in Chicago. So. But to me, John Lester's that team's number one because he's already proven himself. He's won rings. He's proven himself as a number one. But other than Lester, who's already proven himself, only other guy to me, pitching-wise, that's shown himself, especially from a standpoint of somebody that hasn't proven himself before, is Dallas Keiko. He won that game against the Yankees in New York, that wild-card playoff game. And he went and won game three, and he and he finished the game. I mean, Dallas Keiko has proven himself so far to be an ace. That's an ace. Had a great regular season. So far, he's won two games in the postseason in dominant fashion. That's an ace. I'd, I'd sign up for Dallas Keiko right now with David Price or Clayton Kershaw. Right here, right now. And that's, to me, that's a damning statement. Because David Price is going to be a free agent. And I'll tell you right now, if you're a team going after David Price, you've got to tell yourself, you know, he's not my number one. He's not. You're bringing him in to follow somebody up. You're not bringing him in to be the number one. You cannot turn to that guy. If, if, unless he does something, you know, unless Toronto wins tomorrow and he turns us all around on a dime. David Price cannot be looked at as a guy for a big game in my mind in the playoffs. He can't be. Regular season? Yeah. Postseason? No. And unless Chris uh, proves himself tonight, so far he is. You know, and I have to probably see more than one game for Kershaw because he's had such a bad run. You know, unless Kershaw proves himself, same thing with Kershaw. Now, he's stuck with the Dodgers for a while. But if I were the Dodgers, I'd seriously consider trying to resign Zach Greinke because you need him. And I'd flip him. If, if Kershaw doesn't get the job done this postseason, I'd make Greinke my one and Kershaw my two and say, you know what, you haven't earned it. You have not earned the right to be a number one starter. Regular season numbers don't matter. For certain, it, it, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry. You can't get it done now. It doesn't matter. I mean, so right now we got two game fives tomorrow, Houston and Kansas City. Kansas City's fought back. You know, Toronto's fought back. It's been an interesting series from the standpoint of the, 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 road, the, the road teams have done very well on the road in these, in these games, aside from in the NL. The NL's the one, time, the one place where it seems to not have. The AL side of things have been a lot of the road teams doing, the good, doing good things. So it's been interesting. You know, lots of back and forth. But the Houston-Kansas City series has been very interesting because Houston's kind of what Kansas City was last year, this underdog that in some ways was kind of left at the side, to the side at the end of the season because they, they struggled through September, held on, had to deal with the Yankees who struggled as well, dispatched with them. And they're looking at Kansas City. It's like a mirror image. It's a mirror image. 
Kansas City is where is where is is in the place that you know a lot of teams they faced were last year. Now Houston's where Kansas City was last year. So it's kind of ironic if Houston knocks out Kansas City, the irony of being knocked out by a team that was essentially what you were last year. Not overwhelming home run speed. You know, that's 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 what Kansas City was last year. And the Texas-Toronto side, I think Toronto got smashed. Game one, game two, overtime, uh, an overtime, an extra inning classic, heartbreak. And they come back and win two big games in Texas, including a, a, a huge behind, um, come from behind win in game four in Texas to get it back to Toronto. So Toronto's clearly got the momentum. And Texas had a huge lead in that game four. You know, they've, and, and, of course, Texas had a deal with Beltre's bad back, but he's played through it. God bless them. Now, we were looking at, you know, at, at one point it looked like it was going to be guaranteed, Texas versus Texas, Houston versus the, uh, the Texas Rangers. You know, for a lot of people, that's boring whenever you get, like, two teams from the same state in, in, in the, you know, a series. It's boring. But at one point, that looked like a certainty. Now, the tide has turned. Toronto right now, you know, I thought this series, the the underdogs would take it. I thought Houston and and Texas would take it. And I looked good a couple games ago. Now, who knows? Toronto's got a tremendous amount of, of, of... Momentum on their side, they're going back to their building. But, again, I mentioned the whole Price-Stroman thing, what John Gibbons did there. Houston, Kansas City, look, that that's not about pitching. And, and I'm sure Keiko will be available out of the out of the bullpen, for sure, just to get him out of that series. And they're not Houston's not worried about setting up their pitching. They're worried about getting out of the series, and they're worried about the rest of the White Raiders. I mean, that's a game five. You have no choice. But that's going to be an interesting game because they are mirror images of each other. Except Kansas City now is not the underdog. And that's why it's been such an interesting series in the way, the way it's played. You got to ask me right now, I think, I, I honestly believe, I think I still think Texas is going to win the series. I think that David, I think that, that I, pitching Stroman and, what, and using Price and Relief, even if Price comes out again, I still think that was a bad decision. I think it's going to cost Toronto. Because, look, Toronto doesn't get the – Toronto doesn't have as big of an advantage over Texas as other teams because Texas has just as good of an offense in my mind. And they've shown that in this series, and that's why I thought Texas had a chance to beat them. Texas offensively can match with Toronto, and they've shown that. I think Texas beats Toronto. I actually think Houston beats Kansas City, despite how loud it's, it's going to be. So I'm predicting an all-Texas – I'm still predicting all-Texas ALCS. Despite the, the hostile and loud environments they're all going to be in, I think that both underdogs are still going to win. It'll be an all-Texas ALCS, and I – you know, we'll see what happens there. Because I can't – the way Houston's played, they've impressed me because they didn't look that good at the end of the season. But since the, the – I think that wild-card game against the Yankees game coming, that's what happened last year. So that wild card game is not. It, 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 you don't want to be in it, but it could give you a little bit of momentum. I think it's giving Houston, and and the Cubs as well. Look what's going on. 
If Houston beats Kansas City tomorrow, both wild card teams advance out of the first round again. And somehow they both get to the World Series. That's the second straight year. It, get, it does give you some momentum if you can win it. Because you're in a do-or-die situation. It gives you confidence. But we'll see what happens. It should be interesting. Um, I'm going for all-Texas ALCS. Um, and that series, you know, depends, you know. I could see Houston winning against Texas. You know, the way they bash home runs and, you know, it'll be a lot of offense, which is good. As for the NL, we already got the Cubs advancing. Dodgers are up 3 nothing. They scored three on, on Matts in the third inning. Stephen Matts is pitching in this game. A lot of people want to know why they didn't try to do, pitch the Grom on short rest, and Terry Collins did not want to do it. He figures, hey, I'm up in the series. I can go, go with my ace in game five. And you know what? That's a smart approach. I'm at home. Smart approach. If you're down, that's a different story. But, no, you're up. You go for it. Matt's is not a bad pitcher. It's, you know, Dodge, uh, Matt's have time to come back. You know, it's not in the world. But the Cubs have already advanced. If the Mets, you know, advance, I think that's a great series. It's, it's the Mets who don't have a bad lineup anymore. They've certainly proven that they can score. But I don't know if they can score at the clip that the Cubs can uh, or consistently. So, so to me, that would be more the Mets pitching versus the Cubs hitting. And if you get the Dodgers, I, I, look, I'll say, I'll say this right now. If the Dodgers and the Cubs play, I think it's a, a total mismatch. I think the Cubs win that series in five. If it's the Mets, it could go seven because of the pitching. And Houston, Texas could go seven just on the offense alone. And, and, and really, if you think about the Houston, Texas, Houston, Texas series, if that's what we get, the difference is going to be Keiko. To me, and, that, and that, that's what would give Houston maybe a little bit of an edge in my mind over Texas. And that's what would get in my mind, would, if, you know, if it ends up being Houston-Toronto, boy, I'll tell you something. If, if you want to see a good comparison, imagine if Keiko faces Price in either a game one and, and then, of course, an elimination game. Because I, I, I have the – even though I've only seen him in two postseason games already, I have the utmost confidence in Dallas Keiko. I don't have any confidence in David Price. So that would be an interesting kind of comparison to have play out against each other. It reminded me a lot of 2009 when all the other closers around the league were faltering and only one closer did it, and that was Mariano Rivera. So it would be interesting. So we'll see what happens here again. Dodgers up 3 nothing, going to the bottom of the third in New York. Game four of the NLDS. Cubs have already advanced today, beating the Cardinals. Six to four, they move on to the NLCS, waiting to see who their opponent is. So we'll update you again on the uh, Mets Dodgers score as long as we're on the air. Uh, both game fives and the ALDSs take place tomorrow. Houston, of course, will be playing against Kansas City in Kansas City, um, and then uh, Texas versus Toronto from Rogers Center in Toronto. Both game fives, you'll figure out who the ALCS is tomorrow. And then if we need a game five for the, the last NLDS between the Mets and the Dodgers, that one will take place on Thursday night, which will be on, you know, we'll be on the air up against it, but that will be when it will take place. All right, so that's the story in the, in the baseball world here. Let's jump to the wrestling world. That's the only sports stuff we're going to do tonight. 
this will obviously football we leave for Friday, so there's nothing else really to mention. So we'll jump right to wrestling. And uh, it's interesting because we're a week away. I'm okay, like may uh less than two weeks away for a pay per view. And, you know, thankfully for WWE, most of the matches didn't need to be built up. The tag match is just gonna be what it's been the last month. The Dully Boys and New Day. You got Owens and Ryback for a rematch. You got Nikki and Charlotte for a rematch. You you already set up Kane Rollins to set up another champions. Triple H Undertaker, we've known about. You know, Bray versus Roman, we've known about. The only thing, and it was an extension of what they've been doing. And, of course, Roman Reigns and, and Dean Ambrose versus Braun Strowman and uh, Luke Harper. We know, You know, that one we were just waiting to have it announced, and now it is. So, you know, thankfully, a lot of this stuff was already settled. But what's interesting is we're a week, less than two weeks away, pardon me, from a pay-per-view. And we don't know what John Cena's going to be doing. And we know that John Cena is going to be taking time off following Hell in the Cell. Now, last week he did a U.S. Open Challenge, the main event of the show, facing another member of New Day on the heels of facing Xavier Woods. He won that match, but New Day stood tall. Now, New Day had taken out Dolph Ziggler so they could send Big E into the, into the match. They lost that match. But they took off Cena and Ziggler. So you're thinking, okay, maybe we're just going to keep this New Day thing going. But no, New Day wasn't near Cena last night, even though they mentioned him. We get a, Ziggler actually getting his chance that he was cheated out of last week and having a great match with Cena, and with Cena won, but there was a, a, a kind of like stare between them at the end, which I almost, I almost felt like was, hey, we might get this one more time. Kind of like the Cesaro thing this past summer. But maybe that one more time will take place at the pay-per-view. But still, nothing's been said yet. Nothing's been announced yet. So what, and what are we doing here with John Cena? Who, I mean, is there going to be an opponent? Are we, are, are we, what are we doing here? We know he's got to be on the card, but then you look at the card. You got Brock Taker, Kane Rollins, Roman versus Bray Wyatt, the Orton Ambrose versus Wyatt match, the Divas match, the Intercontinental Title match, the Tag match. That's seven right there. Remember, a couple of these matches are are, are cell matches. Two of them are cell matches. So you know they're going to go long. And this is only a three-hour uh, event. Now, even if you bump one to, I mean, I, I'm guessing you want to bump one to the pre-show, but even if you do that, you still got, if you yeah, seen a match, you still got seven matches on the main card. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Are they not going to put Cena on the card? Figuring, oh, well, he's going to be leaving the next night anyway? Mike, what's, you have any thoughts on what, what, this, what they're doing with Cena here? What? what? <laughs> okay. Oh my! Oh my God! It's been an hour since I talked. Holy crap! 
Oh my God, where was I? <laughs> All right. I must last be in this night, parallel universe where I'm actually talking on the show. Oh, okay, wow. stop! I knew. I, I know. There's a lot of baseball. I know, but. Uh, oh my God. All right. I feel like I have just exited the fog, and now I am talking into a phone. <clears throat> this sounds All like right. an episode of Twin Peaks. It's weird. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Let's try to get back on subject. Now, John Cena. Is he, what is he doing with him? Is he going to watch on the show? Well, they probably blew off the Ziggler thing last night, doesn't they? Well, they hinted that it might not be. Oh, they hinted that it might not be. They stared each other down, that kind of thing. Oh, they did. Well, here's the thing. John Cena just took every bit of Dolph Ziggler's offense, kicked out a two, and then dropped him with one AA. One. Everybody else gets to kick out, and it takes at least two. Kevin Owens took, like, 15. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that John Cena... I'm pretty sure that Dolph Ziggler... I'm sure it's, I'm pretty sure the Dig Ziggler thing is like done. <laughs> he's he's really not. So, hmm, what are we going to get? I think Johnson is going to defend the match, defend the title. I don't know who he's going to lose it. I don't know who he's going to win, lose against. I don't know who he's going to win against. Uh, what are they going to do with him? Well, there's two options. He can drop the title. At a hell in a cell, take some time off, get brutalized, give the guy a little bit of a rub. He goes out for, I don't know, let's see, this is John Cena going out the heel. So give the guy a rub for about 36 hours. He can come back, take the title, and carry that thing into WrestleMania. The belt will be on the show for the duration of Cena's uh, uh, time off. It would give the guy the rub. He would be carrying the U.S. title, and it would be fine. Or John Cena could take to could uh, not lose the title, take it off TV with him, and then bring it back when he feels like it. Not only would this devalue the title, because see, and it would kind of make everybody who's uh, he's ever beaten, you know, in these open challenge matches look even worse. It's like, well, nobody can beat me for the title, so I'm going to take it with me until I come back. Ha, ha, ha. God, it makes the entire locker room, everybody who lost the guy look like crap. It makes the title look like crap because suddenly it's out of focus. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, we'll, rem- we'll, we'll remember that John Cena is off television, but We'll forget that he has the U.S. title. Hell, it'll be great for Kevin Owens because he's got the Intercontinental title, and hey, it's a mid-card title, may look interesting. And suddenly everything will look like uh, 1990s WWF, where there's a world title, the Intercontinental title, tag titles, and a women's title. That's it. And you're going to forget about that U.S. title until Cena comes back. So if Cena's smart, he'll drop the title at Hell in a Cell. And Cena's a smart guy. But Cena sometimes can't see the forest from the trees. Mm, very true. That's the thing. 
John Cena thought, like, it goes back to that, like, there was a big example, Jericho told the story on his podcast where, you know, uh, about going back to SummerSlam, where Jericho and Edge were fighting to put over the Nexus. And Cena came up like, I want to take the DDT on the floor, I want to take the finishers, and then I want to beat them both. And then Jericho and Edge were standing there saying, oh my God, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It would bury the Nexus, it would bury the angle, it would make everybody look like crap, including you. Cena fought for it, won, did exactly that, and wow, the Nexus angle got deflated, seven guys got buried, the entire match you know, stunk after that, and what was the last time Wade Barrett was really relevant, even though he had this great run. You know, he was pretty relevant up until he kind of lost money in the bank to Daniel Bryant. Yeah. After after that, he kind of ran storyless, but I digress. And then Cena came back after the SummerSlam and was like, oh, God, you guys were right. Sometimes John Cena, 15-time world champion, just doesn't see it. Can't see the forest from the trees, man. I mean, if John Cena kind of came back and should have been like, oh God, I should have put Kevin Owens over, or oh God, maybe I should have let Rusev pin me clean once, or oh God, maybe I shouldn't have buried Zack Ryder. No. Maybe I should have helped him and created that star a little bit. That would have been smart. Oh, God, maybe I should have put this guy over so I'd have a credible opponent down the road. Or maybe I should have lost to this guy at least once so maybe he would be a little bit more credible. Or maybe I should have dropped the title to Ryback in the two out of three falls match when I got stretched away and he kind of walked away. Maybe I should have dropped the title to Ryback, put that guy over, made him a big star. And I, when I, so when I eventually come back and win, it looks I look better too. You know, Sometimes he just doesn't see it. So what's going to happen with Cena? He is going to defend the title. Yes, there's seven matches. No, not all of those matches are going to get a bunch of time. Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt is going to get about 15 to 20 minutes. Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar is going to get a half hour. There's 45 minutes right there. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, Owens and Ryback is going to get maybe 10 minutes. Maybe. Yeah. I think the Divas are going to get maybe 10 minutes. I'm not even looking at the card. Actually, before an Ambrose match, this guy announced it as a kickoff match. Yeah, so they're going to get 15 minutes at best. And Orton and Ambrose, it's just an easy way to get a win for Orton and Ambrose. That's all. Because you're going to really put Orton and Ambrose on a kickoff show and lose? No, that's what I thought. Well, you know Strowman ain't going to get, the, get pinned. That's for sure. No, Harper's in that match to get pinned. End of discussion. Harper's in that to get pinned. Um, other than that, it's just everything's going to get 10, 15 minutes. The New Day and Dudleys will probably get like 15, and who knows? Um, now... I want you to take this with a grain of salt because, again, this is the speculation, dirt sheet speculation, and nothing, it's not substantiated by any means. And the source, I, again, is not exactly 100%. But I just read a couple 
little rumors here that there's two scenarios that people can see with John Cena for Hell in a Cell. Either they do an open challenge at Hell in a Cell and somebody comes back as a surprise, like maybe Daniel Bryan, and wins it. Or there's uh, there's also a rumor of a gauntlet or battle royal. The gauntlet would have Cena facing some of the guys that he's faced in the past during this open challenge, and then finally the title gets dropped. Or obviously a battle royal, he wouldn't have to get pinned. I don't think he's going to defend it in a battle royal. I don't think. I don't think there's going to be a gauntlet. There's a good chance there could be a surprise match. Right. Two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, I guess there's seven. Oh, Rollins Kane's going to get about, I don't know, maybe, maybe 15, 20 minutes. I forgot. See, I'm just not motivated to see it, even though that the suit has, is being is better than it has any right to be at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, totally forget it. I totally forgot about it. Here's what it is. If Sheamus doesn't cash in, then this feud is... Then Kane should win. Well, so far, the odds are favoring a Sheamus cash in right now. From what I've seen, so... It, it, so it's time. Sheamus isn't the focus of the show. In fact, he's barely on it. He was in a throwaway tag match with Barrett versus Neville and... They won. Some guy. I forgot who Neville tagged with, to be honest with you. It's kind of depressing. Bo Dallas. Let's, yeah. say, let's say Neville tagged with Bo Dallas. <laughs> Is it wrong? Yes, but I believe. <laughs> so. I digress. I don't know. It's Sheamus is not doing much, so maybe he's just lying in wait, waiting for something to happen. I don't know. The other thing that I think is important, too, is and, and, and this this is really important to know. You know, there's all these rumors of, like, The Rock and Undertaker, you know, that the night after Hell in a Cell. And, and you know, we, I mentioned this, I think, last week, Mike. A couple years ago, remember Hell in a Cell kind of blew off the Daniel Bryan program for a little bit? And, and next night, everything got changed. All of a sudden, we had Big Show and Randy Orton for the WWE title. Punk and Bryan all of a sudden started feuding with the Wyatts and the Shield and everything. Like, it was, it was everything just got thrown out and everything was anew. And I almost get the sense that that's what's going to happen at Hell in a Cell. Like, it's going to be the end of a lot of this. Like, we're going to end the Reigns-Wyatt thing once and for all. We know that. Which is fine. That's been going on long enough anyway, so it's all good. Um, you know, Brock Taker is going to be over. You know, Rollins Kane's going to be theoretically over. Um, you know, a lot of these feuds are going to end. Ryback and Owens is probably going to be done. A lot of these feuds are going to end. So you're going to be almost starting fresh, and really a lot of that's going to depend on a couple of things. One, if Rock and Taker are working survivors, where are they fitting? What are they doing? If, assuming they are, okay? That's rumors. We don't know for sure, but assuming they are. You know, you're not going to have Cena, I, uh, at least as, we know, as far as we know. So, you know, who takes the U.S. title and what happens there? And if Sheamus cashes in, obviously Rollins gets a rematch. You know, or do you blow that off on a Monday Night Raw and have Sheamus start a feud with somebody and have Sheamus face somebody else at Survivor Series? There's a lot of opportunity here, and you know that you know that they're they're panicking about the ratings. You know that, 
there's already been talk that Triple H and Vince, there's rumors out there that they're planning some kind of big angle for after Hell in a Cell. So, I, I got a feeling that, especially given last night's Raw, it was like there was no effort at all. Like, it's almost like they know, you know what, there's nothing we can do right now. We have these feuds, we got to blow them off, and then after that we can start fresh, and then we can start to actually, it's almost like they know. Well, well so it's, it's night, like, from, well, real quick, the last night's Raw was, yeah, with no effort. They were in Chicago. Could you tell they were in Chicago? Poor Roman Reigns. No, it, 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 Chicago sounded like Corpus Christi last night. Except for Roman Reigns. <laughs> the only time the only time they really got off of their ass was to jeer Roman Reigns, who didn't deserve it, really, because Roman's been doing great work. They need to just get off that train, because Roman's fine. Roman's been doing great. They came off their asses for the New Day. They came off their asses for Kevin Owens. They came off their asses to, for Ambrose, and they came off their asses to boo John Cena. They didn't cheer Dolph Ziggler a whole lot, which was weird, but it was what it was. So that Chicago crowd didn't pop a whole lot or didn't even act like a Chicago crowd. And even then, Owens had a sloppy match with Kalista. Cena wins, LOL. Ambrose and Orton teamed against the Wyatts. New Day. New Day, excuse me. And the New Day won, I believe, right? Yeah, they they, they ran the whole... um... I forgot which one of them did, but one of them pushed Orton into Ambrose and knocked Ambrose out of the ring, and they got, like, a cheap t- a cheap pin on Orton. Yeah, that makes sense. But it they was won- the New Day. But, I mean, hey, they they popped for the New Day. They popped for uh, Orton a little bit. They popped a lot for Ambrose. They popped for Owens, and they popped for uh, Rollins a little bit. There was no reason to get interested because the show was lazy, it was boring, and they knew it was boring, and they didn't even care enough to go into business for themselves. No. Which usually happens when they don't like something. Except for CM, the, there was a couple of times CM Punk chance, but... Yes, but I guess, well, to be fair, I guess it was a good time because uh, the Cubs advanced to the second round, and they've been doing great, so... Uh, maybe Chicago is more focused on, you know, the Cubs. Could happen. Because the other half of Chicago, which roots for the White Sox, is up my roof for right now. So there you go. There was, one, uh, we, there was one thing they pulled the plug on last night, and it was good news. They finally pulled the plug on the Summer Ray Rusev thing. Yeah. Which, they kind of had to because it got out that Rusev and Lana were engaged, which I told you about two weeks ago. Well, yeah, I mean, they've been keeping on the DL, Rusev, and Lana. But the problem but, is that, that that angle, it made Rusev look like a total little bitch, and yeah, that's where he is right now. He's a chopper. He's jobbing. He's a total yeah, little bitch. I think, that was, I think that was a Vince thing because it got out or something like that. Yes, because Rusev wanted it to get out. Despite the fact they've been keeping it a secret for weeks. It just <laughs> got out. That's it. Yeah, and good for them. Congratulations to them. Oh, no, it's definitely congratulations. They've endured crappy booking, and they've endured Pittsburgh Bad saying, oh, he should not have a hot girl like her. You know, they've endured the Vince McMahon nonsense, and they've come out a little stronger for it. So God bless them. 
Well, at least that angle's over. And, 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 and it really was weird because I'm not sure they were going to go anywhere else with it anyway because they kind of took Dolph away from it to begin with. It's like, they, you know, after the last paper, they, Dolph got away from it. So it's kind of like, where else were you going to go with it anyway? You don't have Dolph in there. It's just, it's almost like they're using it to build up Rusev to go after a title, but then they decided to squash it. But nonetheless, um, it, again, it was just a very, it was a weird, the last couple of Raws, this whole build of Hell in Cell had been very weird. Like, there, there's just, you know, I mean, you don't have Brock or Taker on the show because really that match doesn't need, they're going to have them next week, and they're going to have Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. Um, they're they're stacking the deck next week, and, you know, they kind of have to. I mean, it goes to show you how, how you know, how much little they cared last night. They didn't even have Triple H and Stephanie on the show last night. You just heard their voiceovers on the phone. So that, that's, that's pretty telling right there. And they were in Chicago. Usually they try to at least make an effort, but it is what it is. Um, I think I think the general hope is you get through next week. You hope that Helen Cell actually does some good things. There's potential. I mean, I'm looking forward to Reigns versus Wyatt. Um, that's going to be good. I'm looking forward to the Taker Lesnar match for a lot of reasons. Rollins came because I'm hoping for, I'm looking forward to see if there's a cash in. You know, if anybody's returning, like the Rock or something, maybe they return on on the card. I mean, there's 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 it, there, the pay per view itself could be interesting. The build is really crappy, and usually when they have really crappy build, they have a better pay per view. So maybe that's where we're going. But and next night, the night after Hound of Sal, that should be interesting. That Raw is probably gonna be the most interesting in a while. Because I, you you I mean, even there has to be some sort of reset because a lot of these feuds are gonna be over. You're going to be basically clearing the deck a little bit, so it should be interesting. We'll see what happens. It's it's uh, going to be interesting to see. And we will have a, a, a pay-per-view preview show next week, so stay tuned on that. It'll probably be on Thursday of next week. Um, and we'll let you know more information on that as we get closer. But obviously a lot of these things up in flux because we don't know if we're going to be completely on our new setup next week or if we're going to still be doing talk show. But we'll let you know as we get closer. All that will be made clear on Thursday once I know how well everything goes tomorrow with my little test run here. So, All right. From wrestling now, we jump to entertainment. And this box office beat will be centered on one thing, really. The flop that is known as Pan. Because that's really what, look, the Martian stayed in first, which was not a surprise. Hotel, now, Pan wasn't going to do well. You knew Hotel Transylvania was, and it held in second. Not that shocking. Look, here's the thing about Pan. As we got closer to its release, it was tracking lower and lower and lower. The reviews were not good. That's never a good sign. The studio even started lowering expectations. We knew that this possibility existed, that it would flop, and that it might not even finish in second place. And that's exactly what happened. Now, the question is, why did it do this? Why did it only make $15, 16000000 million? Why didn't it do better? It was moved out of its July original release date, supposedly because of visual effects. I think it was more to do with Ant-Man. But it might have been visual, a visual effects deal, too. Who knows? 
And, you know, you're thinking, well, October is not that much competition. Yeah, but Hotel Transylvania is there, but it's been out for a couple weeks. Goosebumps comes out next week. Well, you know, it's Pan. It's, it's Peter Pan. It's the story that we never got a chance to see, how it all sets, sets up, you know, how, how it all sets up eventually Peter Pan being Peter Pan. And I've seen the movie, and it was fascinating. I thought it was a good movie. It wasn't the best movie I've ever seen, but it wasn't the one that I thought deserved the flop. I, I you know, I mean, it to me it was solid enough. But I, I think I see what happened here. I think we talked about this last week a little bit, and that is once you decided to move it from July, and I actually think that was the right move. I'm, I do not debate that part of it. I think that was a good move, and they made that move and it, with, with, uh, enough in advance where it didn't annoy the audience. So I don't think they handled that part of this wrong. But once you moved it, my feeling is, and I understand, you know, you, you, you know, you felt like it was ready. You felt like it, there was no competition. I understand it. Once you agreed to move it, sometimes as a studio, it's not so much about just competition, and it's not so much about whether the movie's ready. And you know, it's about the fact that sometimes you have to get a feel for when your movie has the best chance. Okay, and sometimes you can look at a calendar and say, well, there's no competition. It doesn't necessarily mean it's got the best chance. Some movies are just, they just fit at certain times of year. In a movie like Pan, it's kind of a, kind of a fantasy epic, okay? It's not really a comic book movie. It's not like it, it fits in the same class like Narnia and Lord of the Rings and that kind of thing. It should be released around the holidays. October, you're almost there. You may as well. I understand Hunger Games. I understand Good Dinosaur, Peanuts, you know, Star Wars. I understand all that. But you could have taken the first week of December and had a couple weeks where you would have been okay, I think. And you know what? We've seen, we've seen various movies come out during the holiday season and all do well against each other. You know? This ain't, this ain't the summer where every week there's multiple big movies coming out. During the, the holiday season, there's usually one big movie a week coming out. Sometimes during, when you get Chris Cole to Christmas, you maybe get two or three. But you got the holiday season and people are off. They have time to get to all of them if they really want to. The first week of December, in my mind, would have been ideal. Two weeks before Star Wars, a couple weeks after Hunger Games and The Good Dinosaur, it would have been ideal. And it fits that time of year. I think it would have been great. If not that, then maybe you could have found a way, even though March has Zootopia and Batman versus Superman, you could have found a way to get that movie into March. Maybe the second week of March. Because you've seen fantasy kind of movies like Cinderella that do well there. But I still think December would have been, early December would have been its best bet. To me, that would have worked. I think that some people did get turned off by the reviews. I think the timing of it hurt. I think Hotel Transylvania continued to do better than even it was supposed to do. Hurt it. I think maybe you could say, even though they don't have any close to being direct competition, the Martian doing so well kind of hurt it because, of, you know, maybe parents are saying, hey, you know what, I'm putting myself ahead of my – I don't want to sound horrible here, 
But they wanted to see the Martian more. Maybe their kids wanted to see Pan. Unless their kids badgered them to see Pan, then they probably said, you know what? Okay, we're going to go see the Martian. The other thing, too, is this. There's a whole generation out there that might not even be familiar with Peter Pan. Oh, and they might have saw Pan and may, maybe not made the affiliate, the connection. I know it sounds dumb, but it could be true. And I also think, too, and I like Garrett Hundwin, I like Rooney Mara, and I like Hugh Jackman. But maybe you needed a little bit more star power. Look, Hugh Jackman, we know he's had hits. Rooney Mara had the girl with the dragon tattoo, but that's about it. Garrett Hundwin, I, lo- I love the guy, but outside of Tron Legacy... What has he done that's wrong? That cast was all about Hugh. And unless you knew he was in it, he was almost unrecognizable at times. I knew it, but you know, and you could, if you really look at it, you could see it through the face, but still. And I think the thing with Hugh is people are so used to him playing Wolverine at this point. That him on his own might not be enough unless he's playing Wolverine. But I don't think the cast helped either. I think a lot of things went wrong here. The promotion I thought was really good. This movie should not have done poorly. First, I, I can't speak for the reviews. I don't know why the reviews are bad on this movie. I don't. This is, you know, just... Every now and then there's times where I look at a movie and go, I don't understand why the reviews are so bad. This is one of them. I don't understand it. I think some people are taking it way... I think some critics went into this movie t- trying to take it way too seriously. I think they thought this was going to be some serious, thought-provoking take on Peter Pan. It's a fantasy, okay? It's a fantasy epic adventure. That's what it's supposed to be. You're not looking... I'm not looking for pretenses BS, Okay? And I think some people went into this expecting some kind of Oscar-worthy movie. and it, it, It's not supposed to be. In some ways, it could be if, if you took it that way, even, not, even as it was. I thought this movie had a lot of good stuff going on in it, some good writing in spots. It could have been better, yes, I don't, I don't dispute that. But it wasn't bad by any means. It's unfair to think that this should have been something... More than it, I think it was in a lot of ways. You could say it could have been a, a better, but I don't think. But expecting it to be something completely different than what it was, I don't think it's fair. And you want to know what the the worst part is? Anybody that's actually given this movie a chance and saw it outside of the critics, fans, actually moviegoers that went and saw it, most of them have been very positive about it. But I'm sure there's a big, wide amount of people out there that just didn't feel like they wanted to give it a chance. That's a shame. And I feel bad for the filmmaker. I feel bad for the cast. I even feel bad for the studio because, you know, yeah, I could sit here and say that they should have delayed another two months. But it wasn't. I I saw why they, they had it where they had it. And really, you can't say it was an all-out bad decision. It's just unfortunate. And that wasn't the only movie that did poorly last weekend. 
the walk which expanded did not do particularly well either. And you know, last week it had a limited release in IMAX. And you know, it did reasonably well given that. But in its expansion this past weekend over the Columbus holiday weekend, which is usually a Fairly decent weekend at the movies. It only got to three point seven million, which is seven points. You know, Sicario, which is another one of those awards bait movies, seven point five million. It's made twenty six nine so far. Just for comparison's sake. So, you know, not not a good start for the walk, and that's unfortunate because I heard it's a really good movie. A really good movie. And Steve Jobs came in with 521000 uh in its first weekend in, in, in limited release. It'll be expanding over the next couple of weeks, which is a very good number because it's only in four theaters. That's a very good and that's And that's supposed to be a really good movie. And, that, again, that was expected to do well. So this week was all about disappointment. Well, it's a holiday box office weekend. Traditionally, does very well. A big release, the biggest release of the weekend did not do well. The holdovers that have done well the last couple of weeks, how it served. The walk on a more limited scale does poorly. Pan does really poorly, and I don't know what happens there. Look, this was supposed to be a franchise. I don't think that. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. $150 million budget, only made $42.5 million. Doesn't look good at all there. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but what, what can you do? Um, that's really the story coming out of uh, last weekend here. And, um, again, it's just an unfortunate thing. Mike, do you have anything to add? Oh God! If you send me the the phone, the, send it to me during the last like half hour, I probably wouldn't have answered you anyway. I'm a little surprised Pan did this poorly. I'm more than a little surprised Pan did this more that you know Pan did this poorly. I can't barely talk right now. I got like mush mouth. Like I, that's like you. Yeah. Um, I'm really. Really surprised how how this how how you know not good it did seventeen and then uh, twenty five foreign. Yep. Look, the I think what happened with it is the critical response really kind of killed it. I think the critical response killed it, and I think the it's going to have better word of mouth this weekend. The problem is, I think a lot of parents are like choosing between this and goosebumps. So while I do think you're right, it probably could have moved two months and been maybe in a better position. This was one of the best positions it could have been in. It really was. However, the Martians are overperforming right now. Hotel Transylvania is performing uh, at par. In fact, it's performing a little bit better. You know? 
Um, Maze Runner is kind of performing pretty well right now. Um, so that's Pan's major competition. And it's just, it just got outperformed. Yeah. And there's really no other way to do it. I mean, it's, it is what it is. It just underperformed. And I think the, the critical kind of reviews hurt it. However, everybody that came out of the the theater who saw it said, like, oh, this is, this one wasn't that bad. And the kids who came out of the theater said, oh, this was really good. I liked it. But I think a lot of parents probably heard the reviews and were like, no, let's wait for Goosebumps next month. It's October. It fits. Maybe another two months of what a fan would have did better, but you've already delayed it once to get away from Ant-Man. So I don't know. I don't know what more you could have really have done. Martian overperformed. Hotel Transylvania overperformed a little bit, and that's it. Yeah, um, really, really all to say. But yes, I texted you something earlier. So yeah, I saw it. I did see it. That's that's kind of why I tailed off. I did see it, Mike. Uh. Um. And look, the fact of the matter is too. Like you, you mentioned, Goosebumps this weekend. Now this weekend has four, three big major releases, and one small release. The small release is Woodlawn, a drama opening at fifteen hundred That's not expected to do anything big. You got a horror movie in Crimson Peak, which was two weeks ago for Halloween. That's obviously appropriate. Goosebumps, which is on the family side of the Halloween spectrum, which you don't usually get these kind of movies anymore. But here you go. It's a horror comedy, and that's obviously very seasonal. And you got Bridge of Spies, a thriller from Buena Vista, which reunites Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks in a historical drama, which PG-13, which I'm kind of surprised about. But nonetheless, you know, that will see tracks just with the older audiences and... um. Again, it's kind of awards bait, but it's big budget awards bait, and that's going to probably bite into the Martian a little bit here, um, which is probably going to drop out of first. To me, this weekend, I'd be utterly shocked. I, I, if you had asked me three weeks ago, I would have said that there's no chance Goosebumps finishes number one because I, I didn't think it'd be good. I didn't think it'd get the good reviews. So far, the reviews are good. I, I would be utterly shocked if Goosebumps doesn't finish number one. I would. Um you know, and that's going to obviously take a huge chunk out of Hotel Transylvania. They'll probably finish off Pan completely. Um, Prison Spies will take out um, The Martian a little bit. So we're probably going to look at a new number one and a new number two. I, put, I think Goosebumps will be number one. I think Crimson Peak will be number two because I think the, getting close to Halloween, you got a more R-rated kind of classic horror movie in Crimson Peak that's going to draw the horror, horror audience, and you got the family audiences going to Goosebumps. So... Um, both spectrums should be represented at the top, and then you'll probably have the Martian in third and Hotel Transylvania in fourth. So three out of the four will be kind of seasonal Halloweenish movies. Um, so I think that's the way it'll probably play out. Then Bridge of Spies will be in fifth because it won't draw. I don't think it'll draw huge enough to beat the Martian, but I think it'll draw huge enough to drop it to third instead of just dropping it to second. So, um, interesting point though. And I don't have much else to say about this weekend's particular movies. I, I think I've said enough as it is there. I, I, I think I could see, just, just for sake of argument, Goosebumps pulling in about $25 million, Crimson maybe 2019, and then you'll probably have The Martian around 
15, and Hotel Transylvania maybe around 14, 13, and Bridge of Spies around 11, 12. It'll be a close from three down, three to five down there. Third place, fourth place, fifth place, probably be very close. But what's going to be interesting to me is with Paranormal Activity coming out the week after, if Crimson Peak does what I, what I think it will this weekend, how does that impact Paranormal Activity? Because the last few haven't done great. They've been done okay, but they haven't done great. I don't think I don't know if it'll affect it that much because it is Halloween, but you know there's been a lot more seasonal kind of movies. Now Goosebumps ain't gonna it's on a different scale, and obviously Hotel Transylvania. Okay, but you know I mean it, it, it's just interesting. There's been so many kind of Halloween themed movies this year, and sometimes even though they don't play to the same cop you know same audience and not necessarily direct competition, they can impact, and especially Crimson Peak could impact Paranormal Activity. They're different kinds of horror, but it could. In the past, we've wondered that because sometimes there is a horror movie that either that that comes out before Paranormal Activity, and sometimes it comes out. Usually, it comes out two weeks earlier. This one's coming out only a week earlier, so it'll be interesting to see if there's a little bit of an oversaturation or some kind of impact there. And we'll, we'll obviously talk about that as we talk about that next week as we focus on. That particular week, next weekend's particular box office. So, all right. Um, let's see here. I believe that we are going to be done because there isn't any. None of you really emailed us or asked, mentioned anything as far as entertainment news for us to talk about. Um, and I don't think there's anything pressing that we need to. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I was debating before the show whether we should do something to do with T, like, not, not fall T report, we've done that, and I think we're going to back off on that for a little bit. But maybe go back to do like a TV report card segment or some kind of TV discussion segment. But then I realized over the last week there's really, there wasn't anything that really bared discussion at this particular time, nor did you all indicate anything to me. So I'm not going to force it and... You know, Thursday, who knows if it'll run a little longer than expected. So I don't want to – I usually try to balance down to maybe a shorter show and then maybe a little bit of a longer show. And I think Thursday might skew a little longer, so we'll stop right here. Um, Plus, I need to save some voice for tomorrow. So um, we'll leave it at this. I think we've done more than enough. So um, as always – the show is might the show might be winding down, but that does not mean that's over. Uh, that does not mean you have to stop interacting with us or contributing to our show. I apologize, I'm stumbling all over myself. You can continue to send in topic ideas, breaking news items you want to make sure we cover, suggestions, feedback, reactions, or comments to the show itself, or things we said on the show, or just ask us any questions you want to ask. You know, questions about the show, the scheduling of the show, about this transition, new setup we're going to be to deal with, and any of these things you can email, Facebook, or tweet us. You can email us at itspotlight411 at gmail.com. Again, it's itspotlight411 at gmail.com. You can follow us and tweet us at itspotlight411. Again, it's at itspotlight411. And please remember to use the hashtag, hashtag itspotlight411. Or hashtag ITS5, which represents our fifth anniversary. Either one of those hashtags is what we'd like you to use. And also, you can find us on Facebook. Remember, and for tonight only, you can 
uh, find us on Facebook using our current full title. That's In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. That will be changing tomorrow to In the Spotlight 411. So keep that in mind. So, again, for tonight only, if you want to find us on Facebook, search for us using the full title In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. That's our current full title. But, again, tomorrow we'll be rebranding it, the name of the show, too, In the Spotlight 411. So please keep that in mind. That's what you'll want to search for starting tomorrow. And then once you do find our Facebook page, like our page and go ahead and post whatever it is you'd like to post. Facebook and Twitter is what you primarily want to use. If you have questions about the show or show scheduling that you need immediate answers to or you want immediate updates on, that's the best way to get scheduling information for sure. Otherwise, consult our our show page, which uh, which is right now on TalkShoe.com. Our main show page is right now on TalkShoe.com. That will be changing over this next week, so please keep that in mind. But as of right now, you can still catch up on all the episodes here on our main show page on TalkShoe.com, the episode archive at the bottom of the page where all episodes are in order from most recent to the oldest. They're all labeled for you. Our most recent episode can also be found in the most recent episode box in the top right-hand corner. Just click on that play icon in that box, and that episode will play for you. Um, you just want to keep make sure you check the show page regularly, especially on show days like Tuesdays, Thursdays, obviously Fridays, um, and days after shows. So just check the show page regularly, daily. Keep hitting refresh, you know, on show nights like Tuesdays and Thursdays. Way as the show is scheduled, you'll see the clock counting down to the next show. You'll also see an upcoming episode listing telling you when this episode's going to start and give you information about the episode. Also, if it's if an episode is like within five minutes of starting, it'll say that the episode's live already right now, so you can enter the chat earlier than than the show starts, so that you can get in there and be ready for the show to start. So, just check out our talk show main show page regularly, and you'll be all caught up and have all the latest information that you need, especially if you don't follow us on Facebook and Twitter. So check out our Talk Shoes show page, which, again, you can find for right now using our current full title in the spotlight with Brian Gardner. And that will be changing over the next couple of days, so keep that in mind. We also encourage you as a, to visit us on our second home, com, which, again, you can uh you can find our show page on there using our current full title, In the Spotlight with Brian Garner. And then once you find our show page over there, scroll down, you'll find all of our recent episodes in order from the mo- their most recent date to the oldest, all labeled for you. So if you want to check out those episodes over there as well, you can check them out on our second home, livesin.com. If you'd like to check out some of our older episodes, like, for instance, our original 31 episodes of our show, especially with our fifth anniversary uh, now here, and you know we're looking back at the past. You might want to check out some of our episodes from the past, either for the first time or again. You can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com, search for us using our current full title in the spotlight of Brian Gardner, and then once you find our old show page, scroll down, and you'll find those 31 episodes, our first ever 31 episodes, are on there for, uh, in order from their most recent date to the oldest. So if you're interested in those episodes, feel free to go check those out. You can also check us out on iTunes, Mike. There's Grim Spotlight with Brian Gardner and Podcast. Once you're there, you can find one episode, click on that. Once you're there, subscribe to our feed. Once you're subscribed to our feed, that's where all of our new episodes are. 
So, and they will be downloaded automatically to your iTunes podcast. Please subscribe. Please enjoy the feed. Please enjoy the episodes. There you go. Okay. That was that was a lot of information. I'm gonna I'm gonna feel really good once we like don't have to do all that information, and especially right now when we're transitioning and it's kind of hard to like. Oh yeah, right now it's this title, but tomorrow it's gonna be this title and. Oh, I'll be happy when all this done. I know it's confusing, folks, but we're almost there. So, all right, I want to thank Jeff Tech for being here tonight. Thank you, Jeff Tech. I, as always, want to thank Mike for being here tonight. Thank you, Mike. Uh-huh. Let's move mm-hmm. on, please. Yes. I want to thank myself for another great show. Pat myself on the back and thank all of you for your continued support and contributions to the show. Thank you so much for listening and for your patience and understanding during this transitionary period. And for all the information we're tossing at you, it's, it's confusing. I know. It's. I even stumbled out at the end of the show on some of that information because it's. It's like a lot of back and forth right now. Nobody really. Everything's kind of in flux as we're changing everything. But just bear with us. Thank you for your patience. Um, again, tomorrow we're doing a dry run on the new setup: Google Hangouts, YouTube, all that jazz. Um, it's not gonna. It's not gonna be a show that we're promoting or anything. I don't even know when I'm doing it, so don't worry about that. When I'm, I don't even know we're gonna archive that. So, um, our next show will be Thursday night, right here on Talkshoe, broadcasting live here on Talkshoe at our usual time, eight o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Again, we will unveil the ultimate in the spotlight awards for film and TV. Then that will be all based on past voting, so exclusively on past voting. So we'll reveal all that on Thursday's show, something we've been promoting for over a year now, so that would be very exciting. And, of course, we'll be saying goodbye to Jeff Tech. So it will be a very emotionally charged show on Thursday. And then, of course, on Friday, which is usually our day for football Friday, will be the debut and should be our debut in our new setup. But we'll see if, if everything, that's assuming everything works out tomorrow. But Friday will be the debut of In the Spotlight Football Blitz, which is still, our, it's not really a premiere per se, because it's still Football Friday, we're just changing the name. So technically it's just In the Spotlight Football Friday, but now being called In the Spotlight Football Blitz. So that will, of course, be taking place on Friday. More information on that will follow on Thursday. So with that being said, that's it for tonight. Quick score update, Dodgers leading the Mets 3-1 to one in the bottom of the sixth, so a close game there. So far, Kershaw has been good. Interested in that game? Check out TBS. That's where the game is. NLDS game four, three to one Dodgers from uh, City Field in New York. So if you're interested in that game, check it out. All right, that's it for tonight. I hope you have a great rest of your night, a great Wednesday, and a great Thursday. We'll see you back here broadcasting live here on Talk Show at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time this Thursday, October the 15th. Until then, have a good night, everybody. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! <sighs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. 